Welcome to Group Talk, a monthly podcast conversation from the Small Group Network, focusing on topics relevant to small groups ministries. Whether you're in a church of 100 or 10,000, whether you are a volunteer or staff, we want to support, encourage, and equip you to lead well. So relax and listen to today's program. Hi, welcome to Group Talk. My name is Carolyn Takeda, your host, and this is part two of my conversation with Amy Jackson. If you missed part one, I encourage you to go back and listen to that 30-minute program because that will give you a context for the rest of this conversation. So let's continue to talk about team retreats. So, Amy, now that in part one, we've talked about setting a clear goal for the retreat, all the logistics, the location, um, the invitation to who should be there, and all some of those ideas. Um, Now let's talk about the nuts and bolts. (laughs) What are the activities? How can we fill up this time in a way that people are going to feel refreshed and invested in and feel valued? What are some things we can do? Yeah, that's great. I think um, we have to really think about some of those things we talked about in part one, being really intentional about the relational things, the things that can only be done in this setting, in this place. Um, but that still leaves a lot of things. Right. (laughs) So, um, I have three things that I love to suggest to people, no matter how long your retreat is, if it's a morning or a whole Mm -hmm. day or a weekend that I think can be really, really helpful and can be scaled to your time. So the first thing is, um, a, and this sounds so, so simple, but some type of breathing or centering exercise as you begin your time to, together. So hmm. here's what I mean by that. Um, we, we have to acknowledge that as we come together for a retreat time, that everyone's coming in with stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like we've got the whole to-do list. Right. It may have been a crazy morning with the kids. Right. Um, you know, who knows? We've just got a lot of things happening. And so, um, Time and time again, it doesn't matter what type of retreat or event I'm doing. The number one thing I get positive feedback on mm-hmm. is having some type of activity that helps people just be present mm-hmm. and be centered. And so um, I like to start a, the day by just acknowledging, like, I know we're all coming in with different things. Mm-hmm. You may have a lot on your mind right now. And so I want to help you just be present here right now with us. And so sometimes it's just that invitation. Mm-hmm. Um I love to allow about a minute of just silence so mm-hmm. people can just be, um, and that's not, that's not with any prayer prompt. That's not with any, mm-hmm. just be, just be okay. for a minute. Um, I usually will end that time with some type of prayer so people know, sure. like, okay, no, we've so it's not some new age yoga thing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and then, um, I also think another great thing that can be added to that is doing some type of just breathing. So, mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, not to be, you know, new agey or whatever, but really, really simply, you know, just reminding people to breathe in, breathe out and to even help them to slow their breathing a little bit. Um, there's one type of breathing exercise that's, um, actually it's just a medically well-known, uh, breathing exercise that's called, uh, square breath. And it literally is just four counts in Mm -hmm. pausing for four counts four counts out and then pausing for four counts. And there's something about that that helps regulate our breathing, calm mm. us down. Um, but not in like a sleepy fall asleep. Right. Calm down. Um, right. and just kind of tune in. I think a lot of us are very out of touch with 
our bodies and yes. how we're feeling. And we come in the place, just kind of a jumble of things. And so to allow ourselves to sit and just be and breathe for a minute or two, um, sounds so simple and yet hmm. so extraordinary. Every time I do a retreat, that's the number one thing I get feedback. On. Oh, that's great. That makes sense to me. Cause yeah, we are kind of just discombobulated and uh, rushing to and fro <laughs> um, and just to kind of sit still. I mean, it's basically meditation or, or focusing yeah. on breathing. Um, cause we live so much in our heads sometimes to connect with our body. That's great. That's a good way to start it out. Um, and then to end with prayer or Psalm or something that kind of ties that in and invite God into the space. Um, I love that. Absolutely. Yeah. So just giving people permission to be human and mm-hmm. acknowledge that there's other things happening and then welcome them to be, right. to be with you in that place. That's a huge thing. So you said three things. So that was one. So that was one. <laughs> um, the second thing that I love to suggest is something creative and that's hmm. pretty vague. So let me give you an example of that. Um, but I think one thing we really need to be mindful of is when we can't, we, we are very dependent on words mm-hmm. <laughs> in uh, most yes. of our stuff. And so, and I obviously, and my whole life as an editor, I mean, I, I love some words. So I'm, I'm <laughs> for words and Well, pastoring is words. I mean, uh, so oh. much of it is words. Yes. And, and for good reason. We have right. the word, you know, we're communicating the, right. you know, this is so important. Um, but to re- just be reminded that sometimes there is benefit to kind of getting out of that word space mm. and allowing some creativity. So really, really easy way to incorporate creativity into your space is, um, let's say we do a reflection exercise, like just reflect on how your group is going this semester, Um, just, you know, reflect on how God's meeting you or what's not working the way you thought or whatever. And then asking them out of that reflection to respond through creativity. So maybe that looks Hmm. like drawing something. So just having colored pencils and markers, maybe that's using Play-Doh to mold (laughs) something. I know we're getting wild, right? Um, maybe that's just, um, using color, you know, so just kind of providing some creative resources that are non, non nonverbal nonverbal. And it's always fascinating to me. People will come up with stuff and you Mm. end up, um, there was one recently that I, we were reflecting on kind of how do you feel your leadership is right now? How do you like, what kind of state do you feel like you're in? And can you respond in some way just using colored pencils and someone just, he ended up coloring his paper blue. Like it wasn't (laughs) He didn't do anything, you know, crazy or masterful. Uh-huh. Um, but he was like, I never, I didn't realize it, but I'm feeling blah right now. Mm. I'm feeling really blah. Wow. That's and kind of profound. Really, yeah. And didn't yeah. have the words necessarily for that. And so, um, as much as that sounds a little wild, cause we we're used to like journal your response. Right. Um, uh, this can be really helpful for certain types of people, or even for those of us that like our words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it can be really fun to debrief too, to mm-hmm. be able to share with your table um, what you came up with or what came out of it. I would just warn you that if you're going to have them debrief, make sure you let them know ahead of time. That they need they to share it. Yeah. Sharing later. Yeah. Right. Right. That makes sense. Huh. Interesting. So some creative component. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it could be, and we also can bring in creativity to like our team building exercises. Sometimes those Mm -hmm. are, you know, building something together or putting something together. So there's lots of ways to bring in some creativity. Um, but I like to share that kind of, um, coloring type of things Mm -hmm. because those are really easy, no matter what you're doing. True. You don't have to be an artist. Yes. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) And then, um, the third thing that I always like to uh, encourage people to include is, talking or inviting people into some type of spiritual practice that may be Mm -hmm. new to them or just different than what your ministry or church normally 
you know, leans on or, or goes hmm. to. So, okay. um, now if you have no idea where to start there, there one great resource that I would suggest is Adele Calhoun has a book called oh, yeah. spiritual disciplines handbook, which is, yes, it's fabulous. Yes. Fabulous. <laughs> so many different, um, spiritual practices that you can do on your own or in a group. Um, and she just has a wonderful, very practical way of describing how to do each one. Um, but one particular thing I think is really great and easy for any type of group to do is a uh, labyrinth prayer. Hmm. And not a lot of people are overly familiar with it, but it is an, an ancient type of Christian prayer that actually originated in medieval Christianity. People were beginning to go on pilgrimages to the Holy Land or to different holy sites. And as you can imagine, at that time period, it was quite a journey. Sure, sure. <laughs> Um, and so there was this whole uh, metaphor that kind of came up out of this prayer of this journeying toward God, spending time with him and then journeying back toward your normal life. Um, and so that was not super feasible for everyone to go do those types of prayers. Right. And so out of that came this labyrinth prayer, which you may have seen um, are kind of maze like looking things. They're not mazes because right. no, you can't get lost. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but they, they, you, you can see them paved in brick. A lot of places have yes, them, yes. especially like rehabilitation centers or right. monasteries will a lot of times have them. Um, you can also just print them on paper and trace them hmm. with your finger. You can get oh, interesting. carved ones. And the whole idea, it's not, it's not fanciful or mystical. I mean, it's very simple. Um, the idea is that as you travel toward the center, you're reflecting on your journey and where you are right now. And so as a retreat for your leaders. It could be about how are you feeling about your, your leadership right now? How are you mm. feeling about your journey right now? How are you feeling about your personal relationship with Jesus right now as a leader? Um, and it invites you to kind of let go of the things that are hindering you and to lay some things down. Right. And as you get to the center, then you get to spend time with, with Jesus right. and kind of reflect on what does he want me to take away? What does he want me to hear? Maybe there's a word, maybe there's, um, just a, you know, a conviction like, yeah, I really have been carrying that or mm. I need to let go. Um, and then as you journey back out, it's kind of preparing you to go back into that real life, that normal life right. and say, what do I need to continue in this journey? And so something about that journey language and actually doing something physical because you can walk it, you can trace your finger can be really helpful. Um, I've also done this where you walk somewhere a set place, mm -hmm. stop there for a little bit and then turn around. So you, can, oh, you don't okay. have to have <laughs> special labyrinth, um, but you can do the same theme. And so that kind of question or theme works really well for leadership retreats of all kinds. Oh, that makes sense. It's yeah, yeah, it makes sense because it kind of is, you're blending different senses. So it's a little more holistic, right? And typically we're just kind of living out of once, once and whether it's our intellect or our creativity or our, our bodies. Um, and so that was actually a question I had too. Like if the goal is for people to walk away refreshed um, and if like on your team, you know, I have somebody who's super active and he would feel refreshed if we went and climbed a wall um, versus somebody <laughs> else who who would never want to do anything all that physical would feel refreshed if we just sat and painted pottery. I mean, yes. there's different, different people. So how do you account for, um, the different personalities and what they would, um, 
how they would respond to certain exercises to give different options within like I like the labyrinth one because you're right I mean somebody physically could go outside or somebody could just sit still if you know if that's more comfortable for them and do it internally um, so you just offer different mediums for the different personalities yeah I think that's one way to do it I also love um, one way that I end up doing it is usually providing there's a time for that kind of reflection or time with God. And there might be six to 10 different types of things you could do. So labyrinth prayer might be one of them. Or uh, oh, you give options. Oh, that's cool. Okay. So there could be different options and they just could be around the same theme or topic. Um, so that's another great way to do it. Right. Um, or just honestly, I think we can let ourselves off the hook and know that we won't do all the things all the time. Right. And so if you can at least have some mixture, like, you know, like you said, if you have labyrinth prayer that allows you to walk and maybe something more quietly reflective, um, and maybe some group time so we can talk, you know, um, if you have a couple of different things that can help as well. Yeah, that's good. That's a great idea. You just give people, um, some options. They don't have to do the same thing and you don't feel pressured. Um, I remember being in a retreat where, um, and it was a staff thing where you had to go away and they'll come back 30 minutes with a word from God. And I was so stressed oh. out. I, I'm an achiever. And so I was so stressed <laughs> out by what's the word God. I need a word. Cause then you need to talk about it. Um, and there was just all this pressure. I think I would have been better served if we said, you know, God may speak to you in a word. He may speak to you not at all right now. He may just want you to rest in his presence. I mean, I think we give need to say there's no specific outcome desired here or to force yes. or manipulate, but rather it's it's time for God to to use however way he wishes and to just leave it open like that, I think would have been much better um, because that, that pressure is real. <laughs> yes, it really Especially is. Especially if you're I with coworkers. Oh my goodness. You know, and yes. then everyone wants to come up with like the really profound thing that, you know, that God has given them. And it's like, okay. Um, yes. And that is not refilling or refreshing. Um, oh. You know, I think, what do you, what do you think about, um, these personality inventory, personality assessment tools. I know right now the Enneagram is having a huge moment. Um, oh and I know yeah. you're, you're pretty familiar with that. And that's an ancient practice that's now become really popular in the evangelical world. Um, and it's basically a personality profile assessment thing. But there's Strength Finder. I mean, there's Myers-Briggs. There's so many things like that. Um, what's your thoughts on how useful or not useful those kinds of tools are? Mm, yes. I love offering tools that help people discover a little bit more about themselves. Um, and so I think that for a couple of reasons, I think that we spend a lot of time thinking about God and our relationship with him and very little time thinking about what's happening internally and how we're wired and how mm -hmm. that actually might be affecting our relationship with God, how we see God. Yes. Um, I had a great conversation with uh, a man recently who, if you are familiar with Enneagram, he's a one on the Enneagram. Okay, so am I. So yes. Nice. He's my it. friend. <laughs> yes. And he was talking about how he had kind of this epiphany moment where he for forever had thought that his self-criticism voices in his head were the voice of God mm -hmm. and didn't realize until somewhat recently as he dug into this Enneagram stuff and realized like, oh no, that's, that's all me. That's actually not what God says mm -hmm. about me. That's what I'm saying about me. And now I've, I've actually, this has affected how I view God right. and our relationship because I think I can never measure up to what he right. you. 
And so I think there is something hugely valuable as Mm -hmm. we reflect and see our own selves in more and more honest ways. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's lots of tools that can help do that. I think, um, I mean, I, I love them all, so I'm not even, (laughs) (laughs) um, I do, I will say though, because the Enneagram is so popular, I do have one kind of caution because I think the Enneagram is kind of, um, let me put it this way. The first time I ever took the Enneagram, I got the results and I threw them across the room and I screamed. <laughs> did they not resonate with you or did, were you just unhappy with it? They resonated way too closely. Uh, they were all the things that I was trying to hide and didn't want anyone to see. Right. And it's a pretty vulnerable yes. tool. And so, um, you know, Myers-Briggs loves to talk about like the great strengths that you have and strengths finders literally is your top five strengths right. <laughs> and Enneagram's like, here's your darkest fear. Yes. <laughs> yes. Know? Here's, yes. <laughs> it's definitely more, more vulnerable. And I think when you share it though, the funny thing is when I have talked with Enneagram, like it's a no surprise to anyone who knows me. Like, well, of course you're a one. Of course, you know, you're, you're wanting to reform everyone and everything, including yourself. You know, so it's like, oh, I thought this was just, you know, how I was supposed to be. Like, I didn't know that how I was interacting with God and others was a reflection of that. But as vulnerable as it is, as with so many things, um, other people already know. So we may as well figure out what it is other people already know about us and then figure out if we want to grow from that. Wise words. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I think, you know, if you're going to use the Enneagram, allowing, allowing people the space to share and participate to their level of, you know, ability or Mm -hmm. uh, willingness. Um, But also I think, like you said, it's a great tool to have really revealed to you like, Oh, this is actually like, everyone else knows this about me. <laughs> right. Right. Um, I think it is by far of any of the tools I've used in this kind of area been the most helpful for me to actually see my blind spots and to see areas mm. that God wants me to grow in. Um, and so it is, it, it is vulnerable right. and it is also a great tool for spiritual growth. Yeah, so the, I think the one thing I did like about it, um, cause it's having a bit of a heyday and on our staff and, was um, there's a section in the, the, one of the books where it talks about when you're healthy, you mm. operate in this way. When you're not healthy, you operate in this way. And that's kind of what you're talking about, the dark side. So it's got the winsome side. You know, if you are one, for example, like me, then you get stuff done and people like that. Um, and so there's, you know, there's things that are beneficial. And then the dark side, when you're not, you get to be really judgmental and harsh and people don't like that. Um, and that comes out in, in teams. So when you're on a retreat with your team and you kind of go, Hey, here's the ways that my strengths are helpful for our team. And here's when I'm not healthy and I'm feeling insecure, um, this is what it looks like. And then people can recognize it. And I think that's another kind of team building thing. So I'm actually a fan of, of um, just using any kind of tool that allows you to talk about yourself um, in a way to say, yes, not so much to get labeled or, you know, now the, the, a negative thing with the Enneagram is people are just labeling each other, you know? Yes. So our small group did this with each other and we're like, oh, you are a whatever. And the husband's all revolted. They're like, no, I am not that. Don't you tell me. And we're just labeling our children. And the whole, it, it just became a very funny mess. But if you actually use it for the purpose that it was designed, which is to kind of reveal more things about yourself. And like you said, the blind spots um, and other personality tests will also do something very similar and then talk about in the work context or on the team or when you're coaching leaders, like what comes out 
um, you know, and then kind of work that through. I think that becomes a really helpful um, piece of self-knowledge. Absolutely. And I think, you know, like you said, there are some really good benefits to any, any of these you're doing Myers-Briggs or Enneagram, or there's things that come out that say that is something we need on our team. And we appreciate that about Mm -hmm. your personality. And so I think when we can call those things out and even attach them to like, yeah, like you always are the one that does, you know, gets the thing done. You know, we start it and then we get distracted, but you actually make sure that we follow through. Um, that can be really, really helpful and keep inviting people into leaning more into those parts of the healthy part of their personality rather than the, like the dark side, like you said. Well, and you know, we talked earlier about the need to be fully present and to be undistracted. So I have to ask, okay, so do you take people's cell phones at the beginning of the retreat? (laughs) Do you tell them don't bring your laptops? Like, do do you not let them check um, at lunchtime? I I think that's such a struggle because we're so attached to our devices. Um, But do you enforce, do you recommend that you enforce a rule like that? Or do you just let people do what they're comfortable with? Or what do you do? Great question. And I actually go, I go back and forth on this. So my policy right now, as I'm leading retreats is I invite people, if that's helpful to them to turn off their phones kind of during that beginning Mm -hmm. centering time, like that's a great time to say, Hey, if it's helpful to you, go ahead and put your phone away and slide it away, put it on silent. So it's not distracting. You can absolutely check it later, you know, kind of let people know that that's an option. Um, but at the same time to let people know, like, if you need your phone, if you, if you know you need to be on call for childcare purposes right, or right. whatever's going on, don't like, there's no guilt here. There's no shame here. Do what you need to do. Mm, okay. Um, that's kind of been my general policy. That said, um, <laughs> I think there can be some real value, especially if your team. So for right. instance, if your staff team is going somewhere and you know, maybe one person has the phone and everyone has that number if they need, you know, if there is an emergency or something like that. Um, there's some real value to actually being forced a little bit to actually yeah. well, your devices. I think so. I recently read an article that said, um, that did a study that, you know, even if you turn off your phone or you have it on silent, but you have it on the desk next to you, even mm-hmm. if it's face down, that your um, distractibility goes up a whole lot. And not, oh. and that was really surprising because I thought, well, we always take our phones into our meetings, but they're silent. Um, and we don't look at them, but just having them at the table, uh, makes, sends the message that you're not fully present. And there's a piece of you kind of wondering about the thing. Um, and so once apparently you check your phone, say for some quick thing, it takes like a really long time to get back re-engaging. So I've just been more cognizant of that and trying not to take it with me if I don't need it because I think they're right. But I was so surprised by the findings. I'm like, oh, we're all being so virtuous. You know, we all have our phones face down (laughs) on silent. But no, that in itself is still distracting. So I think that discipline also kind of sends the message that this is kind of a sacred space. Um, Obviously, for emergencies, you need to have it handy. But um, And I think that sets up kind of an expectancy as well, and a desire to hear from God and have it be something different than our, our every day, um, and maybe that's part of the part of the win. Yeah, you know, and it. you know, I would be really just an encouragement. I was at a, um, I was leading a part of a, a staff retreat recently, and it was fascinating to me that um, during lunch, the the head leader of that group actually she had been talking about. Um, 
or I'm sorry, he had been talking about during the day, like, you know, we really want to be present. We want to set down our phones, make sure everyone's phones are at the door, you know, all mm-hmm. these things. They actually had like a box by the door. That That's what we do with our middle school and high schoolers. <laughs> yes, yes. And, you know, drop it at the door and all these things. And what was fascinating was as soon as lunch hit, he opened his laptop and started doing emails. Oh, and I was like, well, so disruptive. Yeah. And one thing and totally <laughs> doing the opposite. And so I think even, um, you know, the leaders were then kind of like, wait, should I be checking? My yeah. Email? Cause you follow the model. Yeah. Yeah. So it kind of, just, it just totally shifted the tone. Um, and I thought he had done a really nice job of setting it up in the morning and then it just totally shifted. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so just be, just be mindful as the leaders, as I know we're talking to the leaders here of what you might be modeling unintentionally, right. <laughs> right. right. Um, and to hold yourself to that same, uh, standard of what you're asking of your leaders. Yeah, that's a good word. Um, I also wanted to ask you, um, before we close about a small groups having retreats, um, and years ago, we were part of a small group and we were together. That group was together about eight or nine years. And we did a couple of retreats um, where we went away and it helped that there's two of us on staff in that group. So we planned it and we did a marriage one and we did a family one. We planned it. Um, and I loved like doing communion together, but for the most part, we were really good friends and this was our community. And so it wasn't a, really a hardship to hang out and do some of these things. But, um, if you were going to give advice to small group point leaders about how to equip um, small group leaders to do a day, re- day retreat kind of thing. What would you adapt differently? Mm, that's a great question. I love the idea of small groups getting away together. I've only actually done it a couple of times in a small group and every time we've done it, it's been really lovely. It's a scheduling um, is a, is a challenge. Yes. <laughs> it is. It totally is. But I, as a, as a small group attendee, I love like the idea of getting away with my normal community Mm -hmm. rather than just kind of attending a random retreat um, or a church wide retreat or something. I think there's something kind of special about going with people that you know and love and have built your relationships with already. Um, But to your question, I I think number one, I think we, we have to, I mean, going back to this is so simple, but being mindful of the time Mm, (laughs) because, um, Again, I think the temptation is to way, way over plan um, or to totally fill it with um, things that feel especially spiritual. So what I mean by that is, you know, filling it with a really in-depth Bible study and it's meant for six (laughs) weeks, but we're going to do it all in our, you know, four hours we have together or whatever. Right, right. (laughs) Um, And just to, I think to give people permission to say, um, you know, spending just extended time sharing what's going on in your life and praying for one another mm-hmm. can be a great part of your retreat or spending time just taking a walk and, you know, being with God and then coming back and debriefing that can right. be a very valuable experience and to allow them to kind of the permission to kind of imagine what that could look like. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be a super structured Bible study or, right. um, or like a mega meeting. I think that's the other thought we want to, we want to like a deep confessional. Um, yes. where you wash each other's feet and it becomes like this whole, um, I always picture, you know, high school retreats where you have all the tears and it's, I, you know, I'll love you forever. And then it's, it's the whole thing. Like, I think we, we tend to think it has to be this really big dramatic thing, but it could, gosh, in our hurried world, even just to have a little space like that. Um, and some of the stuff that you mentioned earlier still apply. I think if you're a small group leader and you're thinking about doing this to, 
talk together about what you want to accomplish. Is it to have time away? Is it to bond it together? Is it to hear each other's stories? Um, one of our retreats we did, a, we gave everybody about 20 minutes to share the highs and lows of their spiritual life. Um, so not necessarily even just the conversion experience uh, when they came to Christ, but um, what are those key points where you made a, a significant decision and you went a different way or where something really hard happened? And, and so we actually learned, we had been together at that one retreat. We've been together already for about five years in a small group meeting regularly, but we learned things about each other that we did not know because we didn't have this kind of unstructured time um, or a format for it. Because you know, normally you can't take that much time to share pretty stories. So I, I think it is doable. I, I've never really recommended it to our uh, existing small groups. Now I'm wondering like why. Um, some of them naturally have done it, but they've done it more social activities like going camping together or sure. um, doing that, which is so valuable too, because there's always the fun factor in it. But I think that think about if you think about going away, say for a weekend with a small group, the number of hours that'll probably add up to the equivalent of what a whole semester of meeting oh goodness, or more. Absolutely. So yeah, the bonding that can happen or that, like you said, just time to share the stories or what's really going on. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So it'd be well worthwhile. So maybe the next time we should talk about how to run a small yeah. group. But I think maybe we start out with us, with the point leaders, um, having a really effective, uh, refreshing times with a staff and volunteers. And then we kind of, you have to always, it's, it's, you have to model it first <laughs> and go, yeah. and then we can then equip others to do the same. So thank you for doing that even on our call. So thank you. <laughs> so fun. I just, I love talking about this. I think it's so, it's just so important that we're thinking about holistically how we can be healthy, sustainable leaders. Um, mm. you know, sometimes it's, it's so good to have the skills. We need the skills and we get really focused on those skills of leading. Um, but to get back to just being a healthy, sustainable leader. <laughs> yes. I like that. So Sustainable is a really important one because we are, it's a marathon, not a, not a sprint. And, yes. and we both know a lot of people who are no longer in ministry um, because it is hard. And if you don't take care of these things, of you, your soul and the souls of those around you and, and do that intentionally, then, yeah, you aren't going to be effective for long. So the work you're doing at The Perch and just in this program hopefully will encourage many others to take, take a day or even half a day and to pay attention to what God's doing in their souls and for their teams as well. So, Amy, thank you so much for being on the program. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Always a joy to talk to you, Caroline. Oh, so fun. Um, well, you can contact Amy and read more about her soul care and retreat ministry on her website. It's www.theperchplace.com. Um, or you can connect with her on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Perch Place. Um, and you can look at, she's got blog articles and just a number of other resources there um, that will help you plan a retreat. So, um, hopefully you'll check her out. She's also still on our um, Small Group Network Facebook page. We're never going to let you go. So you're going to stay there. <laughs> Yay, <laughs> so I'm you can, glad. so you, she'll pop up there every so often because there's so many years of Small Group Ministry under her belt. So you can interact with her there as well. So thank you all for listening to Group Talk. We will see you next time. Thank you so much to Carolyn Takeda and Amy Jackson for that great two-part interview. June certainly was a treat. Now, before we go, let's talk about Accelerate. Rich Dugan, small groups pastor at Zarephath Christian Church in New Jersey, doubled his small groups in just a few months after attending an Accelerate small group workshop. These workshops can be found all over the country and are designed to help you and your leadership team build a 12 to 18 month strategic plan by going through the 20 questions every small group point person needs to know. 
You will finish the workshop with a strategic plan in your hand and implement immediately. Here are a few highlights. Accelerate Ohio is coming September 16th through the 18th. Limited spots remain. Lock in your spot today. Accelerate Atlanta is coming up October 21st and 22nd. And make sure you get your early bird price today. And finally, Accelerate Tulsa is coming up March 9th and 10th. 2020. So lock in that super early bird price by August 14th. Accelerate the health and growth of your small group ministry by attending one of these Accelerate workshops. Visit smallgroupnetwork.com slash events to register today. Thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you next month. Thank you for listening to Group Talk. We invite you to subscribe to the podcast through iTunes and get new episodes downloaded automatically. Also, if you enjoy this program, Please take a few minutes to give us a positive rating on iTunes so that other small group point people can find us more easily. We encourage you to visit our website at smallgroupnetwork.com to access our library of free resources, connect to a huddle with other small group ministry leaders in your area, read our blog articles, or join us on our Facebook group. Don't forget to use the hashtag SGNet when engaging with your social media channels. Thank you for your support.